0: Welcome to the Business Influencer Marketing Podcast with your hosts, Jamie Lieberman and Danielle Liss. Each week, we will help you unlock the secrets of influencer marketing through interviews with leading professionals and tips and tricks to help you scale your business. Sit back, grab a coffee, and let's talk all things influencer marketing.
1: Hey there, this is Danielle. And this is Jamie. Welcome to episode 58 of the Business Ease Influencer Marketing Podcast. We have an awesome interview for everybody today with Alexia Vernon, and we are so excited to tell you a bit more about that. First thing, I'm going to apologize for the sound of my voice. I have been, let's say, in a prolonged battle with strep. I've been told that this apparently gets worse as you get older, so thanks, age for making strep hard, but fortunately, Jamie, when you were
0: here, I didn't give it to you. I was going to say, was it because it was, you were so excited about me coming to Vegas to visit that I compromised your immune system and you immediately got sick. <laughs> That's
1: a little terrifying to think about. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, honestly, if anyone has that power over me, it's probably you. I,
0: I'm telling you, we had so much, that was such a good trip. We had a photo shoot, which if anybody knows, you've stick a camera in front of me. I'm not sad about it. But um, how much fun was that photo shoot?
1: It was so good. We had, um, we went to this awesome little co-working space here in Vegas called Bloom. And first of all, the decor and the space are just fantastic. I had never been there before, even though I'm a local, so shame on me for not <laughs> discovering it earlier. But it was just a really good space. And our photographer and her son was her photography assistant. They were just phenomenal.
0: We had we had some serious decor envy at that co-working space. I've never been to a cuter co-working space. This woman who owns it, she was lovely. We got to talk to her at the end. Mm-hmm. She She has such a good eye, I don't know. It was so good. I wish my apartment was that cute.
1: I want that wallpaper. There was this beautiful wallpaper that was like this really light, icy blue kind of background with,
0: was it just flowers on it? Uh huh. Yeah. And it was like, it was textured, but in a really subtle, good way. It was beautiful. Your eye went right to it.
1: Uh I was just like, I want this in my house. So those are my new office goals is that because I really want to redo my office, but there's like 30 things that I have to redo before my office takes priority, sadly. I know, me too. And I want, that is like kind of my new office when I'm able to redo it goal is to have that wallpaper on one of the walls. And Jamie has already seen this furniture like 15 times because I'm constantly <laughs> like, I want this. But um, it's this beautiful white furniture that has... um tall shelves and it has like the rolling library ladder. And that is like the stuff my Belle from Beauty and the Beast dreams are made from. I
0: love it. Yeah, no, I, um, I did just recently get a new desk, but I actually, I want to completely redo one of the bedrooms to turn it into a much cooler office than I currently have. But that co working space made me feel like I need to immediately get on that. So cute. And the, Photo session. They did some and they made this cute little video. We need to post that video. We will. We'll post that in the HQ when it's live. It was so fun. They made it like, I don't know. It's really hard when you go get like sort of branded photo shoots taken because you never know if someone's going to sort of get you. And it can be hard. Like everyone always wants to stick us in the lawyer pose, right? (laughs) Yeah. And she didn't. She was great. They really sort of captured. That we are not lawyers that should go in a lawyer pose. I mean, there was a balloon that said, yay, that makes an appearance. (laughs) That was pretty awesome. The balloon that
1: said, yay. We made sure we got a photo of Jamie with the bag that she took on the trip. So we could give you guys a real hint into Jamie's bag love.
0: (laughs) telling you. Yeah, I didn't even think about it, but you pointed it out. You're like everybody needs to see that the bag obsession is not actually just a fantasy, but you will spend all your money on bags. <laughs> and I do, and I did, and there's now photographic proof. Although if I took photographic proof of the entire bag collection, I I don't I don't want to talk about it. I'm not embarrassed, but um it, there's a few. It's notable and that's okay. <laughs>
1: Well, since we were talking about Las Vegas, let's talk a little bit about today's guest who we are super, super excited about. And before we get into her bio, I do want to say stick around until the end because we do have a special treat that we will be talking to everybody about. So here's a little bit about Lex. Alexia Vernon is the author of Step Into Your Moxie, Amplify Your Voice, Visibility, and Influence in the World, dubbed a Moxie Maven by President Obama's White House Office of Public Engagement for her potent approach to women's empowerment. Alexia is a sought-after women's speaking and leadership coach. The creator of the Spotlight Speaker Accelerator and Spotlight Speakers Collective speaker coaching programs, she has delivered transformational keynotes and corporate training for Fortune 500 companies and professional associations, spoken at the United Nations, and delivered a TEDx talk on the future of feminism. Alexia has been featured on networks including CNN, NBC, ABC, and CBS, in Forbes Women, Inc., Women's Health and the European Business Review. You can connect with Alexia at AlexiaVernon.com and across social media at Alexia Vernon. Now let's get to the interview. Alexia, welcome to the show. I'm really excited to chat with you today.
2: Thank you very much for having me. I'm looking forward to this conversation a lot as well.
1: Can you tell us a little bit about your background for those in our audience who have never met you before?
2: I am a keynote speaker, women's communication and leadership expert, and I work with female entrepreneurs and executives and coaches, consultants and experts to use public speaking to grow their businesses and to amplify their thought leadership.
1: As you mentioned, you do a lot of work with women as both a coach for their speaking and really as a consultant for their business. And I know many women who have worked with you and just say, you're magic. I would love for you to tell us just a little bit about the types of businesses that you serve and the services that you offer.
2: Absolutely. And it may be interesting for folks to know that I didn't wake up one day and say, this is exactly what I'm supposed to do. (laughs) It happened organically. And some of the, things that might be interesting to others who are listening is that for a long time as a coach and consultant, I was really allowing other people to define how I worked with my clients. And what I mean by that is if somebody looked to me and said, you are a millennial and in our workplace, we are struggling with generational issues. Could you come in and coach and train some of our managers? I would say you bet. And then suddenly I was a generational expert (laughs) And if there was a recession like there was in 2008, right around the time I was starting my business and people said, there's a lot of folks who need support with career transition. Could you do that, Lex? I would say, you bet. I've had a job before. Of course, I could coach other people to reinvent themselves. But this whole time, what I knew intuitively was my jam, even if I didn't know how to express it and how to create a business around it, was supporting people primarily women to use communication in a variety of ways. So a piece of the work that I do is certainly helping folks be able to hone in on the big idea that is centered to their work and to their business and figure out how to create that signature talk that allows them to speak up on behalf of their business, get visibility in front of their ideal clients and in a classy way, convert those audience members into becoming those clients. But another huge piece is also looking at how to Amplify one's communication and all the other aspects of their business and in their life, whether that's one of the subjects we will talk about today via negotiations, whether that is being able to more effectively have sales conversations, giving as well as receiving feedback or having risky conversations with a client, a colleague, a significant other.
1: You know me well at this point, and you know that I have 7,000 follow-up questions. So I'm going to try to keep these (laughs) somewhat linear and organized because I think that what we see so frequently, and unfortunately, many people are kind of afraid to use their voice When it comes to their business and our latest series on the podcast is we're calling it Unlock the Mystery. And if you sing that along in your head to the old Sarah McLachlan song. That's what happens to me every time I say it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> if there were potential copyright issues, I would just start singing it all the time. It would be like our jingle. But anyway, so we've been having a lot of really candid conversations about money. And while this episode is a little different, where we're not talking, you know, the nitty gritty pieces of the back end finances of your business, I was excited to have you on as a guest during the series because I think that you have a really interesting perspective on how we use our voice. And it's so often tied to our relationship with money. I think if there's any conversation that people find so hard to have, it's the ones about money, whether it's a spouse, it's a friend. I mean, growing up, the phrase that I remember hearing the most was, you don't talk about, you know, politics, religion, and money. So why do you think we struggle so much in that conversation and in asking for what we want?
2: We could go for days on this. (laughs) Especially at this interesting moment in history. And there are some reasons why I don't think anyone, irrespective of gender, loves having conversations where people might not like us. Certainly for women, it feels even a little bit more difficult. When you think about the messages we get from the time that we are kiddos, and I am the mom of a four-and-a-half-year-old girl, so I see this every single day, we are constantly being lauded when we are polite, when we say thank you, when we are kind, when we care for other people's feelings, when we say please and thank you and so forth. And the, the issue with that is while being kind and compassionate is a good thing, Oftentimes, we are not rewarded when we speak out of turn, when we assert our views, particularly if we're challenging authority and asking questions. And those are the very skills that are going to make us successful as leaders. I mean, to be fair, it's an integration of both of them, but we need opportunities to flex those disruptive muscles so that when we get into a position where suddenly success is predicated on advocating for ourselves, advocating for more money. It's not the first time we're trying to do that for ourselves. We've done it in lots of little mundane ways throughout our life.
1: So I'm curious, as the mom to a a four-and-a-half-year-old little boy, do you find yourself having a lot of conversations with your daughter to try to teach her about using her voice at this stage?
2: Incessantly. (laughs) On the day that we are taping this, mom interlude, On the way to school today, my daughter said to me, I need to step into my moxie and tell my teacher something. Now, in case you're wondering, how does a four and a half year old talk like that? If your mom is the the author of a book called Step Into Your Moxie and it's a week out from book launch and you literally have copies of your book everywhere, it becomes a very popular expression in the home. But I said to her, okay, tell me what's going on. And she was incredibly brave and said, I saw somebody in my class slap a student at a birthday party and I wanna speak up and say something to my teacher. And I said, okay. So we walk into the classroom and all of a sudden I feel her gripping my hand for dear life. I'm not quite sure what's going on and she just blurts it out to her teacher looking at me the whole time not facing her teacher. And on one hand it was like rock on little one you said something. I could feel the terror literally in her having to say something that she knew might make another person upset. Even though we are role playing brave conversations in our home every single day, whether it's how to talk, um how to speak up on behalf of a friend, let's say you're playing in a group of 4 and a few of your friends are ignoring or saying something actively mean to another girl, how to be an ally to that girl who's being left out to the much more difficult conversations around what it means to give consent or to deny consent and what to say or do if anyone ever doesn't respect your voice. So yes, we've been practicing all of those conversations for quite a while.
1: It's such an interesting thing at that age in particular, because when I think back, I remember all of this was told, and I think that there is so much, much to be said about that idea that mindset happens so early and those beliefs that we hold. Do you think that there's a lot of mindset that comes into the way that we use our voice?
2: Yes. And what we experienced in our home also plays a profound role. So I've enjoyed negotiating for a long time, even though I'm the first one to admit that for much of my life I've experienced an on-again, off again relationship with my own voice, which is one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about doing this work, is I'm not somebody who was naturally born with heaps of moxie. But in my home I had a dad who had his own business. He had started many businesses by the time I was 18. And each time built them from the ground up he wasn't college educated he was discharged from the military for some unsavory behavior like he was not a rule follower but he always advocated for himself and what he wanted. And in a more global context for what he felt like was right. I mean, he was very outspoken about social justice issues in our community and homeless problem that we had and so forth. Now, my mom, who was a rock star and who always championed my voice, had a much harder time doing the same thing for herself. So there was this weird mishmash of like, I saw my dad going out there and slaying it and speaking up. And there would be moments where I would emulate that behavior. But of course, I also identified a ton with my mom and had experiences where I did speak up and out. And it didn't always go so well. I would archive the story that when I do speak up, people listen, but maybe I don't always want that sense of responsibility. Because It feels really good for everybody to like you. I now know, of course, and I think this is something we would agree on, that it's much more interesting and sexy to be respected than liked, to have a point of view, to sometimes ruffle a few feathers in pursuit of doing what we know is within our integrity. Um, But it takes a while to get to that point.
1: I agree. And one of the things that we hear so frequently from our listeners and from the people that we meet at conferences, et cetera, they have a real difficulty with negotiation and in particular about negotiation, asking for what they're worth because of how tied into money and value that is. What tips do you have that help people to have these conversations?
2: A bunch of them. First is a mindset one which is if asking for what you're worth for yourself alone isn't enough, make the stakes higher. And what I mean by that is one of my favorite mantras is when I use my voice, I give other people permission to use theirs. What I equally believe is when I ask for the money I'm worth, I make it easier for other women to ask for the money that they are worth. I make it easier for my daughter to get into a situation when she does have a career where Hopefully, women, when they negotiate, won't be seen as an aberration like that will be seen as the norm and women will be expected to negotiate just like men do and will be treated the same way in that process. A second tip, though, in terms of just thinking about tactically what can be done is to begin with the end in mind. And what I mean by that is it's so easy to get hooked into, okay, this is what I'm going to say, and this is what I'm going to ask for. And that's oftentimes too micro of a view on the situation that if you know the outcome of what you want, and let's just say this is with another client uh, or with a prospective client is for that client to say, yes, I want to work with you, whether you are a lawyer, a CPA, a coach, a consultant, a blogger, an influencer, anything else. Then if you reverse engineer from that outcome of extending the invitation and take a step back, you can ask yourself, so what needs to happen before in order to get that commitment? Well, I need to ensure that that prospective client understands what's possible for him or her through our work together. So I wanna give them opportunities to express both their dreams, their fears, understand the gap between where they are now and where they wanna be. And then to ask the next question, okay, what needs to happen before that? I need to give them an opportunity for us to talk about what the investment is and why I really believe it's an investment. And you keep doing that. And what you start to realize is when you reverse engineer, suddenly what feels like a hard conversation you're not sure how to, how to have, it reveals itself because you're focused on End goal, rather than making it about you and what it is that you want. Instead, it's very much oriented on moving that person you're talking to to action. And a, a third tip, and certainly we could go on all afternoon, but um, I want I want to get your opinions too. Danielle is learning how to say what you want and not over speaking it when you put a number out there. I don't care how small or how large the number is. For a lot of people who identify as female, we immediately get uncomfortable with silence. And when we've set a number and people are quiet, usually it's because they're thinking and they're evaluating. But what we default to if we're not conscious is, well, if that number is a little bit too high, I would be willing to consider something less or let me give you some other options. I have these 37 other programs that might be a fit for you. And of course, the more we keep talking, the more we are diminishing our power in that situation rather than showing that we believe we are worth that money and we're quiet and we're smiling and we're just holding space while that person considers.
1: I think that's so important because not only are you talking about the importance of using your voice, but learning when to not and learning that silence can be just as effective as speaking sometimes. And the silence is a big piece of what we teach for people with negotiation, because no one's going to remember if you were silent for 10 seconds. And people do tend to give you more information when you are silent. So it's usually a great way. We always tell people, do active listening listen to what someone is saying, gather the information, and then use that to help strengthen your position.
2: Absolutely. That's such great advice.
1: So I want to talk a little bit about your new book, which you mentioned a little bit earlier. You just released it. Um, when this airs, it will have just come out. Step into Yay! your boxy. I'm so excited to read it. I'm so, so excited.
2: It's called... Let's St- be honest, Danielle. Are you going to read it? Or are you going to listen to it?
1: Honestly, I'm probably going to listen to it. And
2: <laughs> the reason well, why
1: so is I, am, I tend to read fiction and listen to personal development and business books. Plus, I want to hear you tell me the story. Like, Since I know that you recorded it, I want to hear it in your voice. I love when it's the author. It it just lends itself well to nonfiction, don't you think?
2: Totally. And the book itself is so story-based that I think it's going to be juicy for people to be able to listen and hopefully belly laugh deeply and get the principles and apply them in their life.
1: I'm glad you didn't say and cry because you know how I am about emotional (laughs) books. I would be like, "Uh, let's hold on. You're
2: going to cry because you laugh so hard that water just seeps out of your eyes like a cheetah.
1: And that is perfect. I'm going to use that phrase too. Water is seeping out of my eyes like a cheetah. That's perfect. Okay. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about it. It's called Step Into Your Moxie, Amplify Your Voice, Visibility, and Influence in the World. Tell us a little bit about, I want to know the whole thing. How did you decide that you had this message to spread? And then tell us a little bit about the content of the book.
2: As I've been... Moving from a one-to-one coaching and consulting model with my clients and leading more and more group training programs, whether that's online or face-to-face at an organization, one of the things that I've seen emerge is that while people show up wanting to know how to create a speech, how to have more presence, how to take up space with their ideas on a stage... That all that tactical cleanup work doesn't go anywhere until the deeper mindset, behavioral belief stuff gets cleaned up. Because every single choice we make in the world, every single thing that we do in the world Has a communication component. And yet, for most of us, we spend as much time actually thinking about our communication as we do what are we going to make for breakfast in the morning? Like we just default, we're not conscious. We spend more time in our closets thinking about what to wear on a given day, which is so silly. And then we beat ourselves up and wonder why didn't we achieve the outcomes that we wanted when. We didn't really put in the elbow grease to get to the outcomes when it comes to the communication that was behind how we were talking to ourselves, how we were communicating our ideas to other people or presenting them to a larger audience, let's say on stage or if we were interviewed via a podcast or on television. And I wanted to write a book that was not just a how do you give a better speech book, but that was like it says on the back of the book, a playful guide to show readers how to slay their self doubt first and foremost, and how to do it in a practical moment to moment way. Because, of course, philosophically that sounds great, but like <laughs> actually providing tools to do it in those moments where we just find ourselves chipping away at our worthiness in addition to talking about all the different communication contexts where we want to be rock stars, many of which we've touched on today, how to do it in negotiations, in sales, in having daring conversations, and also to link it a lot to leadership and legacy and how you want to use your voice to speak up, not only on behalf of yourself, but also the ideas and issues that you care deeply about. And from the time I got the download and not to go super woo, (laughs) but like I really was starting to wake up in the middle the night during one of my launches, which is a really inconvenient time to wake yourself up and not be able to sleep and wrote the book proposal in 45, maybe 60 days, started sending it out to agents was very lucky in that I, I stepped into my moxie and pitched my dream agent very early in the process. And he said, yes, within less than six weeks after that had a book deal and a few weeks after that had an audiobook deal. So while I don't want to suggest that everything was easy peasy, when I didn't feel like I was forcing and was really allowing both the message came out and also the way to package the book and get it out into the world happened relatively with ease, even if not easily, if that distinction makes sense.
1: I'm so excited to read the book. (laughs) I love every time I hear you talk about it. I love The description, and I just, I'm really excited for the message that goes into it. And of course, to hear your stories as it falls into the book. So, as we're wrapping up, and one note we will have a link to the book in the show notes so that if you want to go find it. It's of course on Amazon, all the typical places. Um, but so that it's easy for everyone to find. So, in in line with our series on money, what do you think we can do in order to step into our moxie when it comes to financial matters? Not just negotiation, but really our finances as a whole.
2: A couple of things. Number 1, when you find yourself censoring whether it's about revenue goals or whether it's about specific rates that you're going to set. Ask yourself if you had an unlimited supply of moxie or for any reason that word doesn't work for you, confidence, what would you be saying? And lean into that. And then if and when the self-doubt comes up, you can clean that up. But really give yourself an opportunity to trust that instinct about what it is that you want to go after. And then when it comes to money and business, so I'm not a huge fan of you've got to reinvest everything you make back into your business to grow. I think in our industry that that's a bunch of hogwash. Truthfully, I really like the fact that I net a lot of money in my business and it's able to employ my husband full time and so forth. And I don't say that to brag, but just I, I see so many people in our industry buying into this mythology That in order to grow, we can't actually enjoy the money we're earning. And in many ways, that to me feels like it's a whole piece of the scarcity money conversation. So enjoy what you're making. Be smart with it. Reinvest where you need to, but also save it and take fabulous vacations and be in a healthy relationship with your money.
1: Such good and I love the second piece of it because I will hear so many people who will say, you know, I, I made a hundred thousand dollars and then you hear, and I spent ninety-six thousand dollars on Facebook <laughs> right. ads. And you're sort of looking at it and it's just not a real picture of what's happening. So I like the idea of not thinking that every dollar has to go back into the business that you do pay yourself a salary. I think it's really important.
2: Mm -hmm. I agree. And when you think about where you want your business to be in the next two to five years, also think about how could money facilitate more freedom for you so that growth doesn't have to mean busier. It doesn't have to mean more people working for you or even more people being served. One of my favorite exercises that I do with the women who are in my mastermind, because we cross not only into speaking, but also into business, I give them a hypothetical that you want to add $25,000 of your of revenue to your business in X amount of days. And to very quickly, without a lot of thought, think about how they could get to that number. And so usually they'll come back to me and they'll say something like, you know, I could work with 25 people at $1,000, let's say. And I'll say, great, now you have to work with half the amount of people and still hit 25,000. So they do that. And it it gets whittled down. And I'm not suggesting that, you know, you only work with people at $25,000 or above. That's not the point. But oftentimes we're chasing all of the little stuff and we don't take a step back and ask, what's the biggest bigger vision that allows us to really serve at a deeper level, not be so busy. And to me, that again, comes right back to this money piece and to understanding our worth.
1: I love it. Thank you so much. Now, before we let you go, will you answer our rapid fire questions that we give every one of our guests?
2: Oh, yes,
1: ma'am. Okay. Number one, coffee or tea? Tea. Number two, what's your favorite book? It can be business or not business. And we know that it is going to be a step into your so that's okay I guess your second favorite book
2: you took my line uh
1: (laughs) you were
2: you were a badass at making money I love that book by Jen Sincero. Love it.
1: It is. That was a critical one for me on my own business journey. So I love that you pick that Uh, question three. What was the first thing you did to celebrate success in your business? What'd you do for yourself?
2: I'm going to answer this in two ways. Number one, I didn't do anything for so long. And I was ashamed knowing you would ask me this rapid fire question that I would have to admit that but it's the truth when I actually felt successful and celebrated it was probably seven or eight years into my business. And I bought myself a very expensive pair of Chanel glasses because I felt like now now I'm worth that.
1: <laughs> I love the idea of the glasses. I like that a lot. And,
2: <laughs> and what's we... funny, I barely wear glasses. That's what <laughs> makes it even funnier.
1: And I think that this comes up a lot. And so frequently people don't celebrate the success that they have in their business. So I like to think that this question is a little reminder for people to go out and celebrate. And don't just move to the next thing, because that's maybe something I'm guilty of. So I could tell you that
2: the next thing, because this one might be, well, not the next, but one of the biggest things I did to celebrate after my book deal was tell my husband he was quitting his job and he was going to join the business full time. And I'm making it sound like I told him that. It wasn't exactly that way. We had the conversation. But I just knew that... I'm getting all of these cosmic winks about how we're supposed to grow. And if not now, then when we'll just keep moving the needle about when my business is earning X amount of revenue. And um, I heard Denise Duffield Thomas say something very similar about her and her partner, Mark. Sorry, I'm killing the rapid fire, Danielle. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> but I think it's it's an interesting example where she had initially said, when I net 100,000, then Mark will join. And then it was like 500,000 and a million. And it got to something outrageous, like a multiple seven-figure business. And then she got to this point with, I think she had two children by that point, or maybe one, and one was on the way that... I don't ever see my husband. I've created this whole business and I want to travel the world and he's always busy, busy with his work. So why are we doing this? Um, so that to me was a huge step. I don't suggest that everyone needs to work with their partner. I think in a lot of cases, that's a horrible idea. But when things are really clicking along, lean into that and let it inform sometimes those big leaps when you're ready.
1: I love that. Okay, question four. Do you have a word for the year? And if so, what is it?
2: surrender, which sounds very counterintuitive in the middle of a book launch. It's actually been my word of the year for the last three years because I don't think I've mastered it. So I just keep using it until I feel (laughs) like I'm really in that place of allowing each and every day.
1: I love it. Okay. Question five, always divisive, Apple or PC?
2: Apple. I haven't used a PC for any reason in at least a decade. Sorry, (laughs) PC users. That's me. It's okay.
1: And last, can you tell everyone where they can find you?
2: Yes. Hopefully you find me on Amazon when you pick up your copy of Step Into Your Moxie. Across social media, I am Alexia Vernon. And for those who are speakers, if you're wanting to focus in on that area, I have an open Facebook group called the Spotlight Speakers Salon where you can connect with other entrepreneurs who are speaking.
1: And we will link that in the show notes so everyone can find it. Lex, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so excited for the launch, as I've said about 60 times now.
2: Thank you so much. Why is she so cool?
0: She's awesome. I absolutely love Lex. I do too. I was lucky enough to meet her when on my recent trip in person, finally. She is as awesome in person as she comes across in that interview. She has such good tips. Definitely, everybody can learn so much from her.
1: Yeah. And we are really excited to help Lex celebrate the release of her new book, Step Into Your Moxie. And Lex has given us a few copies to give away to our audience. So if you would like a chance to receive a copy, we are going to have a thread in the HQ that will say, you know, here's the opportunity. Just please comment on that thread specifically. We will pick five people randomly and we
0: will send you a copy of the book. We're super excited. If you're not already a member of the HQ, you can find us at Businesses. .com/hq. And for show notes, you can go to slash episode 58 Thanks so much and we'll see you next week.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Business Influencer Marketing Podcast. Please subscribe if you haven't already. If you like the podcast, we'd love if you give us a review in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your reviews help new listeners find us. If you have any questions, you can email us at questions at We'd really love to hang out with you on our Facebook group, the BusinessEase HQ. To join, visit businessescom slash HQ. We want to give a big thank you to our producer, Don Jackson of the Raven Media Group, for making us sound so very good. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you again next week.